0: Hi everyone, I'm Amira and this is the Unmute Files, a platform where we unmute our body journeys and build support and space for our different experiences. On every episode, I get to speak and hear from an amazing, inspiring person from South Asia as they unmute their body journey. We cover everything, from size, to trauma, to food, consent and even politics. Just anything on our journey towards body acceptance and freedom. Today, uh, we have Urmi Dugal on the podcast. Urmi has been working closely on the issue of sexual violence and its impact on one's mental health and emotional development. She's currently studying to become a psychotherapist, specializing in trauma work. Um, She has the most beautiful, unapologetic, brave, and feminist way of living that I find so inspiring. I can't wait for all of us to listen to her lived experiences. So, Urmi, hi. I'm so happy you're here. Hi. Hi, Amira. Thank you for having me.
1: Um, That was extremely sweet. I feel it's so important to get these conversations started, very real conversations that go beyond um, short Instagram captions about body image and body positivity, because really um, beneath that there are layers and layers of experiences and emotions, and I'm just so proud that you started something like this
0: thank you um coming from you that means so much um so let's start from there actually you're absolutely right um there's so many layers and different experiences and some of the most significant among those are the ones that kind of start during childhood and adolescence so maybe you can share your relationship with your body then and how it's shifted
1: yeah um i think A lot of times in in general, in our world, because the mind is valued so much that we Mm -hmm. tend to forget our bodies, our bodies, at least for me, and especially in in a family like mine where academics and scholarly pursuit was um, extremely um, valuable, the body became like an instrument to carry your head around from one room to the other. So we were never kind of taught to build a, a intimate relationship with our body. But for me, um, that kind of disconnect and disassociation was a lot more layered because of my history of sexual abuse as a child. Um, and that meant that during the times of abuse, the only way I knew how to cope with it was to escape my body. And that kind of disassociation became my learned coping mechanism, which meant that for me, my body just became a war zone. It was something that was unsafe to be in, something that caused me harm, um, a site of violence. um, And staying with my body in that sense became too threatening. I, I feel like from a very young age, there was a lot of shame that got built into my relationship with my body.
0: That that is one of those things. Uh, most people who have experienced abuse, that shame and guilt kind of takes over, and it's it's really yeah. hard in terms of the consequences it has on that yeah. relationship with your body.
1: I remember as a child, sometimes I would feel so dirty, like I'd want to scrub myself. Of course, none of that was, it wasn't my actual body that was the problem, right? But that sense of dirt and shame becomes so insidious in the way you see yourself that no matter how many times you scrub, it doesn't change your internal world. And that kind of, I think, so my baseline in itself was faulty when when it comes to my relationship with my body. And then I think as a means to feel protected or... To, to kind of get a padding, a, a cushioning from the outside world, I used food as a balm to cover up all these very painful feelings and confusing feelings that were in my body that I wasn't able to connect to. That, of course, led to very unhealthy eating habits. And I started putting on a lot of weight during uh, my adolescence. And then, then, well, you know how schools are. You know how kids are brutal, <laughs> brutal. And brutal, and not <laughs> sweet, innocent, um, carefree little humans that we have in mind. So then yeah. I became the fat kid in school. And mm-hmm. more than the abuse, I think that by then that was my identity. I was fat only. So that's, I think, when a lot of the body shaming started happening, um, especially post puberty, because then you're suddenly, you notice a lot of changes in your body as it is. And that whole aspect of being seen by the opposite sex kind of comes in. Um, Differentiation that I'm a girl, he's a boy. Those notions start playing in your head. And that's I think when, again, my relationship with my body shifted a lot. Like I remember when I started developing breasts, And I was, I've never been like a, I've always been top heavy. Um,
0: You're you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) The
1: first time I had to go to bra, I started crying because I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be different because already there was so much shame associated with this body that just the idea of then developing breasts and being different and also being a fat kid was too much for me at that time.
0: So listening to you, something that stands out for me clearly um, is those layers, trauma and shame from your childhood, bullying in school, and puberty and how um, that affected you then. And you started seeing changes like a hyper awareness towards weight, wanting to be desired, um, disordered eating, at least the starting of that. Um, Over the years, how did this start affecting other areas like work? relationships uh, your mental health right and yeah that's a really I think a really important question because
1: it's not your relationship with your body even when we're talking about uh body positivity and body image it really isn't just about your looks yeah it's not that's <laughs> <laughs> none of us are stressing so much because we feel we don't look nice in a particular dress and that's that's it <laughs> it's yeah. uh, shapes so many of your um, experiences and your relationships and the way you see the world and what you were talking about that connection with food and and with overeating I feel like that's something that you know gets really missed out on because Overeating is almost always looked at as a lack of impulse control, a weak will yeah um, mm-hmm. and just being indulgent. But <clears throat> at least from my experience, I can say that when uh, as a child or as as a young teen who felt her body was extremely unsafe anytime there was an emotional connection, and this is something that's continued. Anytime there was an overwhelming emotion or a big emotion that was rising, the need was to completely escape from your body. The need was to completely yeah. disconnect. And yeah. well, now people do that through alcohol, uh, yeah. heart, um, through hot, through yeah. exercising. But as a child, for me, my recourse was food. Because that was a void I felt. That was an unsafety I felt. And I needed something nurturing. And food became that. So it wasn't me eating extra cake because, hey, I like cake. It was me trying to find a way to calm the storm that was happening inside me. And it's that food calmed it down. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you beat yourself up for... Oh my God, you don't have any control. See, you're doing this again. Because you believe that whatever you do is wrong, right? Your body is wrong, your decisions are wrong. So then it kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that I'm wrong, therefore I'm going to choose actions that are unhealthy for me, which will fuel my belief that, well, I'm wrong. And it's this kind of, I'd say, a lack of permission to exist in the way I am, has what, even in my adult life, impacted my relationships my mental health you know even my my career in a way in terms of what opportunities am I um, seeking or earlier in school like in 11th and 12th when everyone was doing extracurricular activities for me it was there was no permission to be okay with who I am and there was such a need to be invisible and not show my body that I ended up rejecting opportunities and not participating because I just
0: didn't want to be seen No, I'm I'm gonna kind of interject there because I think something that you said in terms of that lack of permission to exist like I have this whole thing of where I heard this somewhere and I keep saying it like your body's not an apology and I think Mm. it's so important to kind of understand that because I feel like we are constantly asking for that permission or like apologizing for Yeah. Existing, essentially. Existing
1: Um, for taking up space. It was... Yeah, taking up space, yeah. You know, so more than just like a bodily level of seeing myself in the mirror, it was... It's a very deep-seated... I feel like it comes down to worth and how worthy you feel. And in fact, I don't know if you've um, heard of her, Brene Brown. For her, like in her research, she's realized that, that to two sets of people who deal with difficulties and trauma in a different way. One is people who believe they're inherently worthy and those who don't have that baseline worthiness. And it's it's that fault in believing that I am inherently worthy and I have a right to exist, despite how I look, how I act, what my past is. That kind of fuels so much, even with your body. This belief that, belief that I won't be accepted for who I am. I, I won't be loved for who I am. Someone will see me and they will only see the filth and the dirt and the fat and the blemishes that I see in my body. Mm-hmm. Throughout school, I yeah. wore the baggiest of clothes. I didn't want my breasts to be shown. I didn't want even an outline to be noticed you know I wouldn't uh, I would be scared of like PT because well I kept Uh, conscious Uh, but um, then I moved to Delhi and college started Hmm. well that was also my initiation into the world of sex Hmm. which led to an extremely different relationship with my own body now it was and I wouldn't say it's it's all unhealthy. I was also working on myself. I'd started therapy by then. I was trying new behaviors of not trying yeah. to hide, of trying to show my body, not in a titillating way, but in being okay with how my body looked. But that also meant that my body was observed in a context where women are overly sexualized and objectified. Yeah. And being big-breasted was then the only thing that I was about. That's that's all that sort of became obvious. And it was extremely confusing because at first there was this years of humiliation, of um, taunting, of teasing, of being made to feel undesirable because of my fat. And yeah. now suddenly I'm at a space where... A particular part of my body is zoned into and that's become this thing that attracts people and, and that's become the most desirable aspect of me. So that kind of shift mm. in from being unwanted to being wanted only for my breasts was extremely disconcerting and I I did feel extremely objectified, extremely mm. sexualized. And, I guess somewhere because of the of my own lack of self worth, I believe that okay, then maybe that's how it is. Maybe my body was violated at an early age. Maybe that's what I deserve to constantly yeah. be violated and to constantly uh, be objectified. And that my lot in life was to have my body used by others for their pleasure, which was also a very very deep learned script from the mm. abuse that came up once I
0: started becoming sexually active. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this script of feeling like you deserve it. Tell us a little bit more about where that came from.
1: As a child, if if um, especially when it comes to uh, incest, the abuser isn't someone who's like a monster who's, you know, it's a one-off incident you already have a pre-established relationship with that abuser right so you learn that having a loving relationship also means putting up with abuse and you learn that maybe you know to have that comfort or or to to have that relationship with that other person means that I'll have to give my body up yeah that's what you were taught you know, yeah. that, that's, how they, that's how abusers groom kids. That this is a special yeah. relationship. This is a game that we play. But a lot of times it's extremely insidious. It's woven into your interaction. So you'd be, you know, one minute you'd be playing playing game. a game with them and the next minute you'd be getting violated. So then when I guess that kind of formed my opinion of how relationships with men were, Uh, I, I found it hard to kind of recognize unhealthy behavior. I wasn't able to say that, no, I don't deserve this. If I felt objectified, if I felt like I was being used as a sexual object, the problem wasn't just them doing that. The problem was also that I believed that's what I deserve and that's how things are. And yeah, I think that kind of was a different way than... Uh, which I started relating to my body rather than hiding. Now it became that, okay, this is my experience and might as well like give into it, might as well
0: put myself in dangerous situations. And and almost like self-sabotage, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it also like with other people and it alters your sense of what love is, what what intimacy is, what... um... I mean, just comfort and safety. Uh, But I think it also alters your intimacy with yourself. When I started going for therapy, I, I remember my therapist asking me, Do you put cream on your body? I was like, um, yeah, I mean, I think so. And I realized, like, it was that skewed that I don't actually mindfully remember touching myself. Yeah. In like a completely normal put cream on your body, wash yourself kind of way, like daily routine. Mm-hmm. And I think for me some of that started from something as basic as that, like to to just start taking time to put cream on my body. And you know, and just seeing what that brought up and what that changed. So, I mean for you we, we're talking about all of the, like this intimacy and this disassociation, how did you kind of start really um, working on those areas of worth and working on that relationship from disassociation to a- actually like associating and mm-hmm. hearing your body out? Firstly,
1: thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I feel like so much of who we are today is, is shaped by some of our childhood traumas, not in always a negative way, but, you know, it takes strength to, to be able to talk about this, to be able to recognize that, okay, this is the way in which I've been impacted and to also then try to rewrite our narrative. So really, thank you for sharing your own experience. Self-care or being gentle with my body was something I, that didn't exist till I was like 20. I, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I didn't know what it felt like to look into a mirror and to not want to smash the mirror or to not want to see it. I I don't think I ever took time to, like you said, apply even a moisturizer. I didn't know what it was like. Or to take care of uh, myself. That anger and confusion and shame then fueled this self-attack which was mm. not all, always done in obvious self-harm, but yeah. more like a complete disregard of my body. A- and for me, that also then became uh, then uh, translated into me developing an eating disorder where I deprived my body of nutrition completely because again, the belief was that there's no right for your body to exist and take up space and there's yeah. no right for your body to have a healthy nutritious food or, food. or take yeah. care of yourself to the yeah. extent that my health was uh, impacted i was fainting mm. at, at the drop of a hat my doctors <clears throat> told me that if i don't stop i'm going to develop permanent gastric damage and I think somewhere in therapy, while I was also processing my trauma, I realized that I, I kind of came in touch with my inner child or the girl I was with when Ooh. it was happening to me. And yeah. somewhere something clicked. Somewhere this protective instinct of the adult me came in that I realized that she doesn't deserve this. She didn't deserve to be punished for someone else's horrific acts. She didn't choose this. It wasn't her body that asked for it. And no child will ever ask to be abused. Or even as as an adolescent. Yeah, or an adult. No one wants your body to be shamed and policed. And it's not okay. And I realize that I may not be able to ever control the way others see me. But if I continuously abuse my own self, then when is this cycle going to stop? And like you said, it started with very, very tiny things. And for me, it started with eating my meals on time, drinking water, touching yourself. Uh, is again a way to connect with my body again. So if disassociation was my and is my go-to mechanism, then in therapy, I realized that it's extremely important for me not to just engage my cognitive process, but to heal also at a bodily level.
0: (laughs) What you shared, it's just so powerful. Um, This is one of the reasons I wanted to start the Unmute Files. Uh, I was having conversations with people when I was thinking about this, and I would talk about body healing and they would say, yeah, so you will be discussing beauty in the media and stretch marks. Um, And I was always like, yes, that is a part of it. Uh, But also body image is about freedom and politics and representation and culture and gender and sexuality. People don't realize it doesn't matter what happens. Our body kind of builds a memory around that. Like whatever kind of trauma, even if it's unrelated to the body, it settles in the body, you know. Absolutely. And and how can we start looking at this kind of collective self care so that other people, other women, other children don't kind of go through some yeah. of this. So yeah. not go through it to this degree. So I mean, what do you think? It's a larger question, but uh, but still, like
1: you um, start, like like you mentioned right now, that yeah. our body has memory. I think it starts right from talking to children about engaging with their body in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of us are used to the idea. We're extremely used to the idea that our minds communicate with us. We're always in our heads. We look at our thoughts. We obsess over them. We act based on our thoughts. But we're not used to the fact that our body is constantly communicating. Like even right now, if, uh, and I'd ask you or the people who might be listening to this, if you tune into your body and if you tune into, if something is coming up, you'd be able to feel that sensation. Like for me, I'm talking about something emotional or something that's related to my trauma. I can immediately feel uh, my chest tightening. And that's the way in which we're constantly our bodies are constantly talking to us. But we don't teach kids that. And I feel like mm-hmm. if we <clears throat> incorporate bodily mindfulness um, in yeah. play, in growing up, then the idea of having a relationship with our body would be normalized. And I feel like that yeah. that's the first step to kind of avoid, or if not avoid, to protect ourselves from serious harm. Being in touch with our our body, knowing what it wants, um, knowing that it's okay to to talk about this uh, and and it's okay to connect with it. I feel like that's extremely important.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like sometimes we're surrounded by adults who also have a skewed sense of body, right? And they don't really know that yet.
1: Absolutely. And
0: and then hearing them talk about their body kind of also, you start internalizing some of that.
1: And when I say connect to your body, I don't mean looking at your body and only looking at, okay, um, this is the area I don't like or like, okay, I have marks on my tummy and that's okay or I have hair and that's okay. Of course, accepting those physical outward
0: features is is great. What I mean is looking at sensations. I mean, for me, especially with my relationship with food, that was one of the important parts. Like eating something and and recognizing what my body was feeling. That was one of the healing moments of like changing that relationship. Um, So I get it.
1: If I know that every time I want to binge eat, it's because I feel this ridiculous pit in my stomach. I know I'll realize that that pit in my stomach is communicating something. Maybe it's communicating that I'm sad or I'm scared. And then you realize that if I deal with that, feeling that sensation that maybe i won't need to eat that extra slice of
0: pizza yeah and it it also it also changes because even if you then still want to it'll Mm. be a very different way you eat it because it'll be it'll be with kindness it'll be because you're hungry it'll be it'll be the right cues any tools that you kind of use every day to kind of deal with making this relationship stronger with your body also a little bit to look after your mental health
1: mm-hmm. what is that
0: that kind of yeah. maybe other people can kind of take away considering my fall
1: back is to disconnect with my body for me every day means uh, taking care of myself also means touching base with how I feel mm. in my body um, the sensations that are coming up so uh, grounding exercises is something I've learned as a tool in therapy just yeah. getting in touch with my I body do. again, scanning where I feel, what I feel, and grounding mm. myself uh, is something I've started on a daily basis. Like I wake up and because of, say, uh, my issues with depression and anxiety, there's always, I wake up with a lot of heaviness. And just that mm. time of 10, 15 minutes to ground myself and to, to feel safe In my being, um, kind of helps. And it's extremely silly, like, I feel uh, funny saying this, but even during this lockdown, right? Like, experiences with our external selves have been so distorted because there's that feeling that, you know, we're not seeing anyone else. So we kind of don't need to take care of
0: our exterior,
1: right? And yeah. as silly as it sounds, I feel like it's extremely important to be seen. Sometimes you feel your presence stronger by being seen. And yeah, I've decided that for me to engage with my body, to look at my body and, and feel like, okay, I'm present. I, I'm not just my head that's floating around. Taking that moment yeah. to... Put on a clean shirt, um, mm. iron my clothes, to look at myself in the mirror and apply kajal. That those very like say exercises in vanity help me feel seen by myself. And apart from that, I feel like support groups and talking to people is again an extremely important avenue to change our relationships with our body because. We tend to get into this um, trap that there's something wrong with us. We're the only ones who feel like this. There's an isolation yeah. that sets in. So We feel like support groups or just being able to talk to a friend about this is helpful. Like yeah. What we're doing right now, I, I
0: would add this to a step in healing. That's such a great note to end on. Um, thank you so much, Armi for being so brave and transparent and vulnerable. Um, I'm hoping these conversations provide support and healing to anybody who listens in. See you all next week. Follow us on Instagram at The Unmute Files. DM us with any questions or if you'd like to be on the podcast. Until then, keep unmuting.